0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to episode 48 of The Snyder Cut. I'm your dapper host, Jeff Snyder, senior film reporter at Collider.com. And unfortunately I think we have to start this week's show with the terrible just terrible news uh, from Friday night about um, Chadwick Boseman's passing uh, man I was thrown for a loop on this one I was watching um, the Kevin Smith Chris Jericho schmodown match and had watched it like with my dad and his girlfriend in the in the living room and I'd left my computer uh, running upstairs in my bedroom Um I'd been watching the undercard Ben Bateman versus Andrew Guy beforehand up there. And when I went back upstairs after the Smith Jericho match, and it should have been, you know, it should have been a celebratory night, you know, that the Schmodown had pulled off this really cool event and it had been super entertaining. And I looked in the chat and I saw R.I.P. Chadwick Bozeman. I was like, what? Like, is that some kind of a joke? Like, what do you mean? Um, and then I went to my email and there wasn't anything. Uh, the trades had not gotten on it yet. So I was like, is this this can't be legitimate, right? And I and then I Googled Chadwick Bozeman Dead and you see the TMZ article and, and I mean I I practically dropped the computer. I was just like Wow. Um I mean obviously you know the thoughts of of the future and well what happens with with Black Panther what happens with Marvel like the, you know those are our natural thoughts to have but they they weren't top of mind on Friday night um It was really just like what a tremendous loss and like this guy was 43 years old I mean that's young I thought my mother died at 61 I thought that was young I mean to be 43 and and, and he had his whole career in front of him, his whole life in front of him. Like He was just getting to be the king, really. Um, and it really just goes to show you that you don't know what anybody is dealing with at any given moment. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, he he had looked sick for some time. And, and you know, I think it, I don't know when it was, April maybe, when, when a, f- a photo surfaced. And, and people were like, oh, is this... Is he doing something for a role? Is this a new diet regime? Like we just had no idea, and it sounds like he did. Anybody else really? I don't think um, his co-stars knew. Uh, I don't think it was like an, an open secret in Hollywood. It wasn't one of those things. Um, it sounded like I think it was Hollywood Reporter this week that came out with a story that Kevin Feige had had gotten an email like an hour before Chadwick's passing was announced, essentially, and, and, it, and he'd said that email had said that he'd really taken a turn for the worse over the last week. And, and I think that by the time Kevin even reached out to like, see what was going on and how he uh, Chadwick was doing, he, he died. Um, you know, I, I'd met Chadwick once or twice. Um, I think it was at the, uh, the, the screening of Marshall where he plays third Thurgood Marshall. Uh, and it was just, you know, a, a, a quick hand check, uh handshake kind of thing back when we were allowed to shake hands um I spent most of that night I think it was talking with uh yeah you know I I don't I don't even know um but I don't know if Josh Gad was there that night I think that uh, he may have been there to support uh Chadwick and, and so I spent most of the night talking with him but um I think it was that I can't remember if it was Marshall or, or Mudbound but um like Chadwick Bozeman was a guy who who was trusted to play these incredible black icons and not just, you know, King uh, T'Challa, but, uh, but Jackie Robinson, James Brown, Dirk Marshall, like these voices from the past sort of, he brought them back to life and they spoke through him uh, and to be entrusted with those three uh, legacies was like no joke. Um, I mean, this guy was a really talented actor you know I realized that he didn't have Oscars like Philip Seymour Hoffman or Robin Williams or Heath Ledger but he was well on his way there like he had to you know do these uh, a few more comic book movies and and, and big Marvel movies and um, I think he really would have had his choice of like top projects and working with A-list filmmakers and stuff like he just had that thing, right? He had that twinkle and it, and that's a hard thing to replicate. Um God, I, I'm trying to think of, like, the first time that I'd even heard the name Chadwick Boseman. It was probably, like, draft day, right? Because I think he, what was he played uh, Avante Mack? I don't know if he was, like, the first pick or, I forget how it played out in that movie, but I remember we were all tracking, like, you know, who's going to be the, the young, hot draft pick in, in the in draft day. Cause that was like the top blacklist script at the time, even though that's not rem- fond, you know, remembered as the, some big movie, like in development, it, it kind of was. Uh, and then I saw 42 and um, I, I was a, a tough time uh, in my life that I, that I was dealing with. And uh, just to see, you know, the, the strength that he you know, depicted as as, uh, as as Jackie Robinson and to see what everything that Jackie Robinson had to go through. And um, it was definitely inspirational. You know, I, I got something out of that one. Uh, Get On up, up, I think maybe his best performance. Um, I don't think the movie is, is great, but like he is just like electric in it. He's dynamite. Um, Black Panther was really good. I think it is one of the better Marvel movies. And... I, I know that you know, like Screen Rant got absolutely killed uh, this week for not even waiting like t- 24 hours to talk about who'd be replacing him in, in Black Panther uh, too. And, and the truth is that he he can't be replaced, and I don't think that he should be replaced. Like this this death reverberated across the globe in a really surprising way, and it really shows you know how much Black Panther meant. Uh, to to a lot of people, and, and in a way that I will never be able to to understand or fathom. Um, I mean, do, you, do do you really think that you can have somebody come in and play T'Challa? I don't know. I think I think you 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 raise that character up to the rafters and you leave him there. Unfortunately, um, at least for now, maybe maybe you reboot it twenty years down the line. But just just feeling my way through things. I don't think that Marvel will end up recasting the role. And I don't think any actor in Hollywood really wants to, to step into those shoes because that's just a no win. Um, I think out of respect, I, I mean, I, yeah, I think out of respect, you, you know, he Black Panther 2 is going to move forward because it's a billion and a half, $2 billion piece of business for, for Disney. Um, but I think the only sort of inevitable conclusion to this is that Letitia Wright Shuri will end up donning the, the Black Panther costume or whatever. Um, I just think it's, it would be very, very difficult uh, for somebody to come in and take over that role and just play it like yeah I'm the same character from from the first one or I don't even know how they would explain it you know um, and, and I know who I might have in mind but it's like what's even the point of, of saying that um, not to mention but, you know Ch- Chadwick was 43 but he looked significantly younger and so when I think of his replacements, you know, I think younger. And so, you know, that would change the entire trajectory of, of sequel versus prequel or whatever. Like, can you really find like a 40, 40 45 year old African-American guy who, who who looks like, like Chadwick, um, who, who is already a, a star and I don't, yeah, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Um, and Marvel's already sort of doing the prequel thing with Black Widow. So I don't see them turning Black Widow 2 into a prequel and in, in casting younger. Um, so many like, you know, eligible black stars are already in that first film playing different characters too. So I just, not not to dwell too much on the Black Panther 2 of it all because that's just morbid. Um, but I, I don't really see a way forward for that film besides just upping up, uh, sorry, upping Letitia Wright. Um, you know, what, what, what came out in the days afterwards, uh, I think it was really moving and and a testament to the kind of person that Chadwick was, uh, you know, you saw saw him going to all these hospitals and and children's hospitals and, and talking to kids with cancer and like the whole time he had cancer. That is pretty heavy. Um... I mean, just what a guy and my heart goes out to obviously his, his friends, his, his family. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know cause you know, we knew that he had been engaged. Um, but there wasn't m- like real reports of like a wedding. So I didn't know if he, if it was one of those situations where maybe he got married like last week as he sort of saw the end was near. Um, uh, you know, the same way that like my brother and, my sister-in-law got married, like, you know, in front of my mom as she was passing. You know, the, the wedding was planned for the following summer, but they wanted her to to see it. So they had a ceremony by her bed. Um, I think I read somewhere, though, that, that Chadwick tied the knot late last year. So it was not like a last-minute, I'm dying wedding. Um, it sounds like he, he got to enjoy, you know, uh, s- several months with his uh, new, new bride. Um, didn't have any children. Um, but you know, obviously just the entire Hollywood community was left reeling. And I know my, my own heart goes out to, to his managers, uh, Chris Huda and Evelyn O'Neill, Chris in particular. Um, and, and uh, yeah, it's just hard, hard to put into words that, that kind of loss. And, uh, I think we'll be feeling this one for a while. Like just the tributes that, uh, that everybody, wrote were really moving. Uh, Ryan Coogler's was, was great. Uh, Letitia said something, Kevin Feige, like just politicians from across the spectrum. You had Kamala Harris. Uh, sorry. That, that's how I used to pronounce her name. Kamala Harris. I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning uh, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. Um, uh, they all, they both said something like, which the, anyways, um, it 's a sad loss, and He'll be missed. He, he left a, a great body of, of work, and, uh, and the nice thing about this business uh, is that the work lives on, and there will be there are, there are generations of, of black children who aren 't even born yet, and they will be watching Black Panther 20, 30, 40 years from now, which is uh, really cool to think about. Um, but yeah, my heart goes out to anybody who's sort of suffering in, in silence. And then of course that was Chadwick's choice. He, he could have gone public, but that's not the way he wanted to handle things. And, and, uh, you know, we have to respect that.
1: Um,
0: yeah, the, the, the insurance issue, it was an interesting one, but I, I think uh, I saw the trade sort of explain it, that insurance is more of a thing that, that indies deal with studios kind of, uh, assume that risk. Um, because people were saying, well, you know, wouldn't Marvel have had to have known, you know, with the with the physicals and, and you know that kind of stuff? But uh, not 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 necessarily. I think this was a very small circle. In fact, um, one person who, who seems to have been inside of that circle and who I definitely recommend that you read their piece, um, uh, Kevin Pillowy at uh, at Yahoo, I believe, um, wrote, wrote a really you know, some, some Yahoo. I don't know if he's exactly at Yahoo because Yahoo picks up things from all over the place, but I think I read it on Yahoo and I think that's where he is. And it's, it's a very touching uh, remembrance uh, of Chadwick. So RIP rest in power and, uh, and we'll move it along uh, this morning. I announced an Army of the Dead prequel. This is a story that I've been on for about six months. Yeah, that's right, since early March. And then a press release materializes out of the blue uh, yesterday from from Netflix, uh, saying we can post it in the morning. Um, yeah, don't don't know if I if I loved that, uh, but you know what? That, that's how it went down. Um, so, anyways, this is a prequel. It's going to be a multi language prequel. It's like an internationally flavored project. Because, you know, if there's a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, which is where Army of the Dead is set, uh, you know, it would stand to reason that there's zombie outbreaks all over the place, uh, around the world. So, um, so Zack Snyder has turned to one of his actors from Army of the Dead, Matthias Schweighöfer, And he's going to direct and produce this prequel. And it's going to follow his character. So I, I don't know what size role he has in army of the dead if it's a it's if it's a big role or if it's a smaller supporting role that they just saw a lot of potential in um and then there's going to be an anime series and the anime series is called army of the dead lost vegas and that's going to follow it's like the origin story of how dave Bautista's character and a, and a few other uh, supporting characters got to be in that situation that they, that they find themselves in um i mean Zack snyder obviously has a very passionate rabid fan base and so i think it's smart of netflix to get into uh, business with him or i mean they're already in business with him but to expand the business they have with him into a, a proper universe so to speak um i mean it all depends on whether the movie is good or not if it's another sort of mediocre extinction project power old guard level project then who really cares about you know the way that the universe is is being expanded but uh I really like Dawn of the Dead. I think it's one of Snyder's better films, and so I'm kind of excited to see him back in zombie territory, particularly with Dave Bautista, who, who this this project just seems so up his alley. Um, yeah, the and so and so Shay, Shay Hatton is going to be uh, writing both of these things. He wrote, you know, the the original Army of the Dead script with uh, with Zach and Joby Harold, I believe. So. Yeah, we're not going to see this until next year. Obviously, Netflix is is way out in front of of this. I don't know why this week it became real as opposed to six months ago um, or whether they were just getting too many calls from all over the place about it. And so they they felt the need to announce. But, uh, you know, I just like, why is this? I don't know. If I I was Warner Brothers, I I would have, uh, I don't know how Army of the Dead wound up at Netflix in the first place. Really thought Warner Brothers would have kept him in the family, but I guess after all the Justice League drama, it was time for for Zach to go off and make a movie somewhere else. Um, yeah, not not too much else to say about Army of the De- Army of the Dead until I really see a trailer or something more substantial to get the to get just to get a feel for the tone. Scream 5 announced a new cast member this week. We'd already covered uh, Melissa Barrera and uh, Jenna Ortega, and I told you that they were probably going to be playing sisters. And, you know, that Scream, which is a very traditionally white franchise, uh, was probably going to, you know, diversifying quite a bit um, with, the, with this new young cast. Jack Quaid, very white, white bread guy. Uh, you, know, you know him as Huey on The Boys. And I don't, like. I, first of all, I'm a big Jack Quaid fan. I, I, I think he's charming. Um, I really, I never saw plus one. I've heard absolutely great things about that movie. I'm pretty, I don't know, you know, I don't have any of this confirmed, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be playing Melissa Barrera's boyfriend who like works alongside her at some kind of big box store or something. Uh, yeah. I think he's really just described as like a nice guy, but it's always the nice guys that you got to watch out for, particularly in the Scream franchise. Um yeah, but again, if if I'm right about the role, it just sounded very Huey-esque, you know, like he's such a nice little boyfriend character on, on the boys. Uh, I just don't know that, I mean, I know why Jack Quaid would want to be a part of a big franchise, but I wonder if this is actually like a villain, if if he is the killer or one of the killers, and this is a chance for him to sort of embrace his inner villain, much like his father Dennis Quaid did in The Intruder last year. <clears throat> Or maybe both the sisters are killers. Or maybe the killer hasn't even been cast yet. Who knows? Maybe nobody dies in Scream. Maybe it's just a comedy. No, um, I'll say though, if he's not the killer, he's a great red herring because it's just that face. It's just so innocent. He reminds me of like a cross between Mickey from Scream Two and and I guess Stu from from the original Scream. Like he's because uh, he's not like a, a heartthrob really. He's no Ski Eldrich. Meanwhile, you've got, you know, these three new cast members and then you've got uh, David Arquette and Courtney Cox. Where is Nev Campbell? Nev Campbell was reported to be in talks for this movie in early May, okay? Now, by, like, I know that deal-making can, can take a long time. I've been doing this for a really long time. But a supporting role in, in this kind of movie, when we're talking about Nev Campbell, it's not like we're talking about cutting, you know, making Leonardo DiCaprio's deal or something. Uh... I don't know if there's, if there's something brewing there. Like, is it about the money? Is it about the role? Are they, are they rewriting the scripts so at the uh, you know, to give her a bigger part or a better part? I just think it's very concerning that uh, Nev Campbell has yet to close a deal. Oh, it's my father. Hello, father. Handing me notes on the show. Going to Braintree. We'll be back soon. What, what is my father doing in Braintree? We're going to find out next week on the Snyder cut. Bye dad. Jeez. Mm. can he tell I'm in the middle of talking to my audience? Uh so yeah, Nev the, the fact that Nev Campbell's return has not been officially announced or confirmed yet is is cause for concern. I wonder, you know, why is she dragging her feet? Is it a financial thing or is it a script thing? Because I wouldn't be surprised if Nev was just like, yeah, this is not what I sort of had in mind or, or where I saw my character going or how I saw her story ending. I don't, again, I don't know how big the roles are. Like, uh, cause we'd heard like, let's say with like Jurassic uh, world dominion or whatever the hell it's called. Um, we've heard significant roles for Sam Neill, for Laura Dern, for Jeff Goldblum, we, we don't know the size of the roles in, in, uh, in Scream 5. And so this is, I'm just going to throw this out there because everyone at Collider loved it when I threw it out there, even though they were also like horrified. What if, okay? Because Scream is known. How did Scream become known? Think about it. It became known besides for like you know the movie trivia within a movie or, or multiple killers became known for its opening scene with Drew Barrymore because they marketed this big movie with Drew Barrymore wasn't a big movie back then, but she was the biggest star, right? She's, you know, at the front of the trailer and everything. And then they killed her off 10 minutes into the movie. What if, what if Dewey and Gail and Sidney Prescott all get killed in that opening reel? That would be kind of amazing. Uh, and I would love to see the Scream franchise do that. I'd love to see it shock us like that. Um, it could even throw us a, a little fake out. But I do want to see them get back to being scary and horror and less jokey comedy. Not, Yeah. I just don't have very fond memories of like Scream 4 or Scream 3 really for that matter. It's not that, it's not that I didn't like those movies. I just think Scream and Scream 2 are sort of in a class by themselves. And Scream is in a class of its own, obviously. Um, elsewhere, elsewhere in genre news, Adam Driver signing on to star in the horror movie 65 over at Sony. This is going to be directed by Scott Beck and Brian Woods, the writers of A Quiet Place, and produced by Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi producing things doesn't really have me excited anymore these days. He, he's uh, had a lot of uh, underwhelming genre films under his producing belt. However... I've heard great things about 65, and I'm a big fan of Beck and Woods. I do believe in them. Uh, I have a lot of faith in those guys. 65, they had, like, high hopes casting-wise for this. And Adam Driver is a pretty good get. Like, he is very much in demand. He's got a zillion things on his plate right now. has to go finish uh, the last duel with Ridley Scott. Then he's supposed to work with Ridley again on Gucci, where he's going to star opposite Lady Gaga, playing the ex-husband uh then he's supposed to do like jeff nichols movie yankee commandante so he has a lot of stuff on, on his plate 65 i heard that they went out to like tom cruise first it was like you know this, they wanted tom cruise or brad pitt brad pitt ended up doing uh, bullet train at sony um i, I even think they talked about like damon and affleck but uh driver doing a horror movie is pretty interesting plot details are still kind of thin on on what this is um but uh I, I think my story probably had the most detail. I, I'm pretty sure it's about like like the guy's like a, an opioid addict. Like he's he's down on his luck. He, he's he's ha- he's seen better days and he's involved in some kind of crash or something. And uh, and the movie pairs him with like a, a young girl who he has to uh fight to survive with. Or he doesn't have to fight the girl. The two of them have to fight to survive. Although I don't know if the girl is already dead and a figment of his imagination or what. I mean, I don't mean to get into like spoiler territory there, but I think that there is some kind of supernatural twist to this story and, and uh, I'm excited to find out what it is. Um, God, in, in other like interesting cool news but also tinged with like melancholy cooper hoffman the young son of the late philip seymour hoffman has been cast as the lead in paul thomas anderson's new movie which remains untitled um now we've seen like paparazzi shots of of this little boy uh he seemed to have uh his his father's like reddish blonde reddish blonde hair but, you know, like those photos, a lot of those photos were taken when Philip Seymour Hoffman was still alive. Um, so I, I imagine he's grown up quite a bit. I, I don't, I may have been able to find like one or two photos of him in, online, but I couldn't, sure, I, I couldn't be sure if it was him or not, just because Hoffman is, is obviously a very common last name. Um, I mean, I think it's super cool. That, like, Paul Thomas Anderson is is working with, with his friend Philip Seymour Hoffman's son and, and uh, I just, you know, hope that this is something that this kid actually wants to do. And, um, you know, that he wasn't sort of forced into acting. I mean, I think this is going to be his first thing, which is, you know, it's rare to just come out of nowhere and get cast as a lead in, in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Maybe you, you've got some commercials or some short films under your belt. Maybe, maybe he has those. I, I don't even know. Um, but yeah, the, like there's a, this is super cool element to it. And there's also a, this is super sad element to it. Um, Cause yeah. Anyways, I'm sure that he will be well cared for and looked out after you know, on, on the set of the PTA movie surrounded by all of uh, these, you know, collaborators and people who who worked with uh, Cooper's father. And then in other news on that project, Benny Safty has joined the cast. I, I believe he's going to be playing a gay politician. You could see his face uh, in political ads, you know, stable the phone polls behind Bradley Cooper and the set photos that leaked. Um, I'm pretty sure that that uh, that politician character is a, a decent supporting role. Um, and, you know, I, I think that there's something interesting about Benny Safty on screen. Maybe it's because he doesn't look like a traditional movie star. He looks like a real person. Um, you know, maybe that makes him a little bit more interesting uh, in 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 my eyes. Still, you know, very curious to see what the tone of this is. Cause I'd heard that, you know, that Paul Thomas Anderson was trying to cast a, a few up and coming comedians. Like he, he's definitely been steering towards fresh faces and less recognizable movie stars. Um, but yeah, he definitely wanted some people with comedy chops. So I, I don't know if this is, you know, is this more Magnolia or more inherent vice? That That is kind of the, the question. People still don't, you know, I still don't know what the plot is. Like, I know it's about a little boy and who's a child actor, um, or, you know, maybe not a little boy, but a, a teenager. Um, but yeah, you know, what happens to the teenager, that, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I like being surprised by Paul Thomas Anderson stuff, and uh, I'm not looking to blow up anybody's thought on that one. Um, Henry Juiced and Ariel Schumann, Nev uh, Shulman, Nev Shulman. No, that's Nev's different. Those are those are brothers. Rel, they call it. It's Henry and Rel. That's right. It's not Henry and Nev. Henry and Rel. <clears throat> they are going to be directing an adaptation of Mark Millar's uh, Mark Millar's comic book. Mark Mill—I always call him Mark Millar, but I think it's just Mark Miller. Anyways just totally blowing this item. Henry juice, Ariel Shulman directing Mark Miller's uh, comic book nemesis for Warner brothers. This is a project that was initially announced a couple of years ago as part of uh, Sue Kroll's development slate. And, and, and uh, the comic book wasn't even mentioned in in those initial articles. So, and like I read, actually, you know, I, I've, i read that comic book. I, I read very few comic books, but I read nemesis and I kind of love nemesis. And so the log line that I, heard didn't really fit what my understanding of nemesis was so i was like is this based on the comic book you know uh the the author had sort of intimated on twitter like that, that the rights are going to revert to netflix soon so i was like well did the rights revert to netflix but maybe warner brothers was like no we can we can fashion something out of this still let mark go and do his thing and we can just still call our movie Nemesis because it's a generic title. Like, I didn't know what the hell was going on there. Eventually, I got some clarity, and, and you can check out the updated uh, log lines and synopsis on Collider. Um, but it is an adaptation. Warner Brothers still has the rights. It is very much up uh, Jules and Shulman's alley when you look at, like, their, what, what they've done. They, they did Paranormal Activity 3 and 4. So they did uh, Viral and Nerve and, and, you know, Project Power. And they're, they have like a bunch of projects in development all around town. These guys are definitely in demand. Um, you know, I don't know if they'll ever be a- A-list filmmakers. I thought Project Power was it. Should it had some interesting moments. I, I thought it was okay, but should have been it should have been better. Like there was enough of a great idea there from in Matt's and Tomlin's script that I would have liked to have seen that idea, you know, sort of uh, just expanded on it in a little bit of a different way. Obviously, you know, with Netflix you're kind of making stuff for the lowest common denominator. Um, I just thought that, that had the potential to be a really smart movie and it kind of didn't mind embracing its its dumb side, which is fine. You know, a lot of people watched it. It's probably going to get a sequel maybe or something on Netflix. Who knows? Um, you know, they they love uh, sequelizing all those original movies of theirs. Um, I think these guys are, are a decent fit for this. I, I would have liked maybe guys who went a little bit darker because Nemesis is really dark from what I remember, but, um, it's, it's not a bad hire at all. Not, you know, like these guys know what they're doing. Uh, I just want to see if they can take their game to the next level because, because Nemesis is a comic book that, that, um, deserves that. It merits that. Um, Haunted Mansion is getting another movie from, from, uh, Katie Dippold, the writer of Ghostbusters. I mean, that balanced, the supernatural with with humor and it was family friendly. And even though I didn't care how the Ghostbusters movie uh, care for how it turned out, uh, I can see why Disney makes this higher. Like you've got this interesting property, the Haunted Mansion. You haven't really done anything with it since the Eddie Murphy project. uh, That was not terribly fondly remembered. You had Guillermo del Toro developing it at one point. um, But it sounds like maybe, Guillermo's instincts were just a little bit too dark for Disney. He wanted to do it with Ryan Gosling, who has pretty dark instincts himself, I think, if you look at his directorial debut and just some of the music that he makes. So clearly that that iteration just did not work for Disney. Um, it just languished and development. How now they're moving forward with Katie Dippold. I, I think there's a lot of interesting mythology to mine, uh, you know, from the Haunted Mansion. Um, yeah. It, it, it makes sense to me uh, why why Disney would would turn to that attraction and and uh, try to turn it into a movie. Um, what doesn't make sense is the X Files is doing an animated comedy, like so. It's like the X Files meets the Office meets like it's it's just. I never thought that I would see the X Files as an animated comedy. Right. It's 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 that stuff meets the other guys, right? Because this is about, like, the B team. It's not like it's going to be Mulder and Scully uh, anime, in animated form with, like, David Duchovny and Jillian Anderson. And really, I, I think that, that would have been amazing if, if you could have done that, but I don't see why they, that those two would have done it. Um, so this is about, like, the JV team, the guys who are not getting the calls on the big cases that, that they bring in Mulder and Scully for. This is for more, like, ridiculous silly stuff like there there's a, a ghost masturbating uh, on, on the in the parking lot like I, I don't know if that's the kind of stuff that they're going to be looking into on this show uh i just did not see this one coming it's weirder weirder than just about anything that i saw on the x-files um i did not you know i, I started watching the x-files when i was a kid uh and i really like those those you know early seasons like there was one about uh like anything like about like a parasite taking over someone's body and they're like the host there's one about like an arsonist like a a fire guy that was like one of my favorite episodes but once it got into like cigarette smoking man and and the three nerdy guys or whatever the hell they were no uh, I was out that was stupid Um, so hopefully they just I mean I guess this is an animated comedy so it's not like they're going to stick to anything from the original series the tone's going to be completely different the characters are completely different they're just using the name whatever um, the Brutalists. This is this is a project that's a little bit more up my alley. This is from Brady Corbett, uh, who did Childhood of a Leader with Robert Pattinson, and, and then Vox Lux, which I was a big fan of. I uh, really liked Vox Lux with Natalie Portman. I thought Raffi Cassidy was great in that. Jude Law just had a, a, a certain style. And, and the first like 20 minutes of that movie or whatever, when, you know, with the school shooting, like I love the terrorist attacks and the way that they're staged in, in Vox Lux. Brady Horvath is a very high-minded kind of artsy, artsy director. Um, but I like his his sensibilities. And he got a hell of a cast for this project The Brutalist, which is like, about it's like a, a period drama of an architect and gets hired by like this wealthy dude. Anyways, Joel Edgerton is going to star. And it's like, I, I love Joel Edgerton on screen. I think he's a really, a really good actor. Um, you know, obviously he's been busy like writing and directing and producing of late, but it's nice to see him sort of come, come back to the big screen on something with something like this. Uh, Marion Cody are, this, this is like, um, what the hell is that? Uh, Fucking magic movie that James Gray did, right with Jeremy Renner and and Walking Phoenix. Like I I just get the same kind of vibe. I think it's that—that's the kind of stuff that Marion Cotillard is uh, drawn to. Anyway, they're going to play husband and wife. Mark Rylance is the the wealthy guy, the wealthy client. Uh, So that's two Oscar winners right there. And then you got a support a great supporting cast with people like Sebastian Stan, Vanessa Kirby. Like, I'm definitely intrigued by uh, The Brutalist, which which reunites Brady with his Vox Lux producers, Andrew Lauren and DJ Guggenheim, a buddy of mine. Um, Cop Shop, Joe Carnahan and Frank Grillo teaming back up, but this time they've got a re- legit movie star with them. They've got Gerard Butler, and this is like about, I don't even have the log line in front of me. With some generic thing where, you know, a police station is turned into a battleground and there's a bounty hunter and a hitman and a cop and it's just like, blah, 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 blah. Gerard Butler, Joe Carnahan signed me the fuck up, right? I mean, cop shop, read the room. This is not, uh, I don't know if, if cop movies or movies with cops in the title are going to do terribly well uh, in, in the coming year. But listen, there's always going to be an audience for these kinds of movies. If it's about dirty cops, all the better. Um, I love I love the idea of Droid Butler and, and Grillo teaming up. Like they're, they're listen, they're two legitimate action stars. I, I have a soft spot for Frank Grillo, always will I have a spot soft spot for Joe Carnahan, for that matter. Um, and even though I'll be honest, I did not like Boss Level at all. I'm just not a fan of time loop movies, so that's, that's nothing personal. Uh, I, I can totally get behind this. I, I watched, uh, watched NARC with Dad a couple weeks ago. It totally holds up. If you haven't seen NARC, track that one down. A uh, couple HBO things moving and shaking this week. Sphere, they're doing a, a, a series on that uh, Michael Crichton movie with Sharon Stone, Dustin Hoffman. I was never a big Sphere guy, but I can totally see this becoming HBO's next Westworld, but underwater. And then We Broke and- a story this week that HBO is developing an adaptation of New York magazines, excuse me, luminary podcasts, tabloid, the making of Ivanka Trump. Now it's very early days in this project. They don't even, you know, there's no casting. There's no director or anything like that. Um, but listen, it's news. I mean, when you got Trump in the name, it's news. And I know the network probably would have loved that. I had held that story, but I had it on good authority. I had the confirmations that I needed. So we decided to post. I mean, listen, if you, it's like, I i am not a fan of, of studios that sort of are embarrassed by studios, networks, whatever, that are embarrassed by the stuff that they're making. Uh, and you could kind of tell like how much HBO it's, it's just like John Oliver and Bill Maher, like really against the Trumps. Um, so let's like, it's like a big part of their business model. <laughs> And so now they're going to be making money off the Trump family name. I just felt like like that's why they didn't want to necessarily confirm anything or um, you know offer offer any kind of statement. Plus, it was like the the RNC, so like you know it was just like not great timing. And I and I appreciate all of that, but it's like listen, if you if there are contracts and uh and, and you have identified this podcast for development and and you've put a few executive producers on it. Like that's newsworthy at that point. So that is why I reported that project at that stage. I'm surprised none of the trades picked it up. Like HBO is developing an Ivanka Trump series. I just want to be clear about that. Uh, nobody was interested. Why? Because it came from Collider A and because it wasn't confirmed uh, officially B. It's very much true. Um... Disney announced that Mulan will be uh, made available for free on Disney Plus to subscribers on December fourth. So if you don't feel like paying thirty bucks this weekend to watch it, just wait the traditional ninety day window, and by early December you'll be able to watch it, you know, in time for the fam- uh, holidays with your family. I do not plan on spending thirty bucks on Mulan, especially after uh, what I got burned on last night, which we will talk about in just a minute. Um, I've heard it's I've heard it's really good. I mean. For the most part, yeah, I've, I've heard it's terrific. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether it's an Oscar player this year. I mean, you know, Disney sunk a lot of money into it, like the below the line and everything. I'm sure the tech credits are excellent. I've heard the cinematography is a standout. It's got an original song in there that could be a player. Um, it'll be interesting to see with, you know whether any of the actual performances pop um but listen i'm i'm definitely going to check out mulan i i I am interested in it i just don't know that it's worth 30 bucks for me or even begging disney for a a favor of some kind of free screening link you know like you got to choose your spots and uh there there's definitely been some movies where i'm like i've been begging people for a link and then there's others where it's like you know what i'll let i'll let someone else have that link I, i don't need to uh you blow a favor, essentially, on something where I'm like, eh, eh I'll, ca- I'll catch it later. Um, God, a lot of stuff this week. Spencer Confidential 2. Clyder announced that, uh, I think that came out of an interview with Peter Berg, that he is developing a sequel with Mark Wahlberg and Winston Duke. Makes sense. The movie got, like, 70 million views or something like that. Um, you know, Mark Wahlberg has a fan base, particularly here in Boston. I didn't mind Spencer Confidential. It was okay. It wasn't... You know, terribly memorable or whatever, but, you know, a, a, another Boston movie with Mark Wahlberg, Winston Duke was good in it. They made an interesting team. Uh, I found with Alan Arkin. So, sure, sure, Peter Berg, go for it. Although I do miss your action. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of miss the, the lone survivor Patriots say Deep Water Horizon, Peter Berg, but I, I get it. You can't do that forever. John Boyega, very vocal this week about being pushed to the side uh, when it comes to Star Wars. I mean, I don't. It's a lot like um, like Ray Fisher, where it's like, I don't know that you're doing yourself any favor in the industry doing this and going as public as you are. But at the same time, and, and I don't think, you know, I don't have the same opinion with, with Ray Fisher and all that. John Boyega isn't wrong. Um, it definitely felt like you know, they sort of, here's the first black lead in a Star Wars movie, and and he's going to be playing a stormtrooper, and, like, he had, it seemed like he had a much bigger part at the start of the trilogy, and then that role got diminished in in The Last Jedi, and and then, you know, by the time Rise of the Skywalker came around, it's like, J.J. is committed to finishing this story that, that Ryan, you know, J.J. had started telling it, but Ryan, you know, set it up where the conclusion has to be about this, you know, JJ couldn't just reinvent the wheel all over again and take it in his own direction. So, you know, he tried to do right by that by that thin character, but by that point, it's like the 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 you can just see the, the movie is about Kylo Ren and uh, and Ray. It's about Daisy Ridley and, and and Adam Driver, and so John Boyega is like, well, they got all the nuance, and uh, they're just sort of using me as like a marketing thing, and and and. and like I said, he's not wrong. And, and I hope that other actors are cognizant of, of that and, and being used that way in marketing materials. Like, I think it's great, this push for diversity, but like, let's really commit to it then. Let's make these stories about these black characters or, you know, give them something to do rather than just, you know, st- stick their face on the poster to say, look, you know, we, we met our quota or whatever. Like, it's just, um, again, I don't know if John Boyega went up a- about it the right way but I don't disagree with the message behind his words um speak of Star Wars here's a little interesting recasting Kelly Marie Tran came on to replace the the little girl who uh, was on stage at D23 for Raya and the Last Dragon I think they had a young actress um (coughs) voicing Raya alongside Aquafina, who I think is voicing the dragon right I don't know but uh, Kelly Marie Tran has now, you know, she she's a, a fan favorite, well-liked on the Disney lot, and so they brought her in to, to do that. feel terrible for that little girl, you know, whose name was announced out there, and uh, she was on stage at D23, super excited to be a part of it. Maybe they'll find another voice role for her somewhere in the cast. Maybe they'll find a different project for her. But uh, it's nice to see Kelly Marie Tran getting another uh, big movie over there, even if it's not live action. Um... Netflix announced a live-action Resident Evil show, and guess what? I am – I don't care. I've never seen a Resident Evil movie. It's it's just not a franchise for me. Go nuts, Netflix. It's probably – you know, it's a smart deal for them. Like, that is a popular franchise that has a lot of fans, but I will not be watching. Uh, Speaking of Netflix, Prince Harry, a lot of Netflix stuff. Jeez, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle signing an overall deal. This was all part of the plan, wasn't it, Meghan? She was this kind of lower level, mid-level, mediocre actress, um, you know, suitable for, for USA, USA and TNT shows and stuff like that. Now she's got a huge overall deal at Netflix. Why? Because of her, her marriage to Prince Harry. I just think it's so weird that, like, people are like, I'm so desperate to be a movie star, a TV star, have a, you know, standing in Hollywood that I'm going to recuse myself from the royal family and just throw my, my my weight into that. I mean, I guess if she's just pursuing her dreams, like, hey, more power to you. She met a guy who, who can make all those dreams happen and more. But uh, I don't know. It was just like, you have this responsibility of sorts to, to the British people. I know that Prince Harry never asked for that. He was born into it. Um, she certainly knew what she was getting into when she started dating a prince. And then they're just like, you know what? Nah, fuck this. We're going to go, like, be celebrities out in L.A. It's just a little weird. Um very curious what kind of stuff they're going to be developing, if it's going to be all royal family related or, I don't know, she's, she's just not a very good actress. Hope, I hope she's a better producer. Uh, Netflix also developing a, a Benioff and Weiss new fantasy show. Like that's going to be their big thing after Game of Thrones. It's not going to be that terrible HBO thing, Confederates. uh Confederacy, whatever the fuck it was called, it's called the Three Body Problem. It's based on uh, three books, um, sort of like Chinese sci-fi fantasy stuff. Um, I mean, it sounded interesting. Sounded like you know the, the books have some real fans, and that the, and that they do push the envelope, and and uh, you know, in terms of sci-fi and introduce some new elements. I just you know fan, that kind of stuff is just not for me. I didn't watch Game of Thrones. I don't really care about Benioff and Weiss. So again more more power to him schwarzenegger is doing some spy series that's all i have in my notes i don't know who the hell it's for i don't know what the hell it's about arnold schwarzenegger is coming at tv guys get a bigger tv uh fresh prince announced an unscripted reunion special Do we need all these reunion specials is this what we want is just casts of old tv shows getting together to to shoot the shit i mean i like I love the Wonder Years, or in 24, but like, do I really want to? Like, If you're like, oh, Jack Bauer's going to be talking to Tony Almeida and, and Nina and like President Palmer, I'm not tuning in for that reunion special. I just don't care. Maybe Freaks and Geeks, I might care, but. I and mean, Fresh Prince, I love Fresh Prince. I probably, I've probably seen every episode of Fresh Prince. I don't care about, about Will Smith talking to Alfonso Rivera. I'll give me a break. Um, welcome. The Blumhouse got a trailer. It's, you know, I, I'm, I'm definitely curious about some of those, but it's also, it also just seems like, Hey, here's four movies that we couldn't really get distribution for. So we package them together and here you go. Netf- uh, Amazon. And, and now you get to create some event programming out of it. There's a reason those projects were sitting on a shelf and didn't go to universal universal probably had right of first refusal. Maybe I don't even know uh, a new, a new trailer came for criminal. Season two, I didn't watch season one or maybe I tried to watch one episode. and I just couldn't get into it. Season two looks good. Like, I mean, I love that kind of stuff where it's just dialogue and people to two people talking in a room. I, I did a short film in college. I didn't make it, but I, I wrote it. It was called justice. And it was about a, a black uh, cop and it's just him in the box, you know, interrogating a suspect. I, I pictured him as uh, Lawrence Fishburne and the killer in it got busted because, uh, they found a, a nail clipping in a bath mat because the killer bite bit his nails. Uh, so that was the gist of, of the short. It, it re- just reminded me a lot of Criminal, which is, again, just like about the back and forth between a cop and a suspect. Um, so maybe I'll check that out. Maybe. I've got so much TV to watch, guys. I've got screeners upstairs. I've got all of, like, Utopia or most of Utopia. I've got the Good Lord Bird, at that Showtime series. So... I've got my hands full. We got a trailer for the the babysitter killer queen. Didn't really care for the first babysitter. Don't think I'm gonna be watching this. I love it's just like directed by Mick G. Like that is not the same thing from like the Mick G of ten, fifteen, even you know twenty years ago or whatever. Like, yeah. The Mandalorian's coming out sooner than expected on October thirtieth i'm looking forward to that again you guys know i'm not a star wars guy at all but i did like the mandalorian on disney plus uh big fan of season one excited to see where they take that story and character in season two um a lot of trailers this week no time to die dropped a new trailer today it looks cool we got a lot more uh a lot better look at rami Malek's Safin, his villain uh, there's a new Challenger series that I think looks great on coming to uh, coming to Netflix. Challenger: The Final Flight. Um, I'd always grown up hearing about that story because Krista McAuliffe's family was from Framingham, which is where I was born, where my mother grew up. She was around the same age as uh, as Krista's siblings. Um, that's, I mean, that that could be great, particularly for those who aren't familiar with the Challenger story. We saw a trailer for Quibi's Ty Sheridan series, Wireless which is supposed to be some kind of groundbreaking thing because you can watch it, you know, in landscape mode and, and get the real series. And then if you flip it, you're getting the series from the perspective of his phone with like texts coming in. And I mean, I, I, don't know. I just tell me a story. Like you're getting too fucking bogged down in the presentation of it all. And look, we can flip it and do this and we can watch it diagonally. If you hold it at just the right angle, I don't fucking, I don't care. Just give me a fucking story. That's all I care about. Ty Sheridan. I like him. And this is Soderbergh, Side of Faith. Quibi stuff is not, like, I didn't think, you know, if you're signing up to watch Kevin Hart and John Travolta and Die Hard, Die Hard delivered what I was sort of hoping for from it. Um, same with The Fugitive. I like The Fugitive. So, like, their shows are not terrible. Like, The Stranger, Free Ration. These are not bad shows. It's just the presentation. You got to get rid of this fucking quick bite shit. Get rid of it. I don't want to have to wait you know, fucking till next week to catch the finale of something. Like, just make it all bingeable. Or make it, you know, one a day. It's just the whole fucking schedule for Quibi. It's it's maddening. It's insane. The Gloria's got a trailer. Didn't look that good. I kind of get why it didn't really have the greatest buzz. Um, Julie Taymor, very hit and miss. Obviously, she can do, you know, she she creates some very powerful uh, visuals, but like across the universe was a horrible movie sorry um and she's done a couple others where i was just like what is this um so you know i've heard the glorious works in, in fits and spurts uh I, I i guess it's gonna be on amazon right so it'll be free uh, check it out just to see if julianne moore is like an awards contender or anybody else in that cast Uh, The Boys in the Band got a trailer this week. That's, like, based on the the famous gay play. I think it looks fun. I I like that cast. It's like if you want to just spend an hour and a half, two hours with with, with some queens. And, um, yeah, like I said, I, I love Andrew Rannells. And uh, and and Tuck Watkins, who you know, they they had the thing on uh, Black Monday together. So they're together in this movie. You've got Jim Parsons, Zach Quinto, like all the big kind of gay names in Hollywood, from Ryan Murphy no less, and, and Joe Mantello. I'm down to check it out. You know, I, I'm that that sounds up my alley. Uh, the Stand had a little teaser. You know, I'm really looking forward to the Stand on CBS All Access. I guess I'm gonna have to. Go back to them for screeners on that one. God, that uh, that should be fun uh, negotiating with them. Um, I think it looks cool, but it wasn't a great tease. Just come out with a trailer. Come out with a full trailer and introduce these characters properly in the setup because I don't even know how long it was, whether it was a minute or 30 seconds, whatever the hell we saw. It just wasn't enough, and I was like, it looks – it just made it look forgettable. You got to make it feel epic. Uh, Possessor dropped an uncut trailer. We'll talk about that in just a second, because I may have watched it last night. And then Dune. The Dune trailer is leaked. It's not going to come out until next week. I, You know, I saw the, the – the, I think it's like a minute and a half. It looked cool, you know, ha- an amazing cast. Uh, and I liked that it was a little frightening. It was like, well, what's in the box? Like, you know, that line, recalls seven – there's a line in the trailer that I believe says what's in the box – Um, it looks cool I just don't you know I I was not a fan of Blade Runner 2049 so as beautiful as this looks and as great as the cast may be it all is going to come down to the story and the story uh, of Dune from what I understand is hit and miss for some people I never saw the original with Kyle McLaughlin so this will be totally new for me but yeah whatever um all right are we getting are we getting into the review time and mailbag time yes Okay, reviews. So I did see Possessor last night, um, the uncut version. We're going to talk about it more closer to release. It totally worked for me. It was 100% up my alley. It delivered on the the, the promise of the trailer. Just big fan of Christopher Abbott. I I really like this guy. I know Adam Driver is sort of the the guy who came off of Girls, but, man, Christopher Abbott's been in his shadow for years. Like, this guy – he just has a look. Maybe it's a look because he – not that he looks like me. He's much better looking than me, but uh, he's, he just feels relatable for me. I can see myself there. I can, and, and he burns with this kind of intensity, this this anger, and uh, I just like him. I just like Chris Abbott. I think he's going to be a big star, and, and hopefully this you know gives him a little bit of a boost. Um, it is totally fucked up. I absolutely see why people came out of Sundance and were like, this thing – should probably be NC-17. I don't know if this can even get a theatrical release. Um, sounds like they're going, you know, for theaters and, and drive-ins and stuff. I don't know if it will be released as an R or unrated or NC-17 or whatnot, but uh, it deserved it. it. It merited it. Definitely an improvement, though, over um, Brandon Cronenberg's Antiviral, which was interesting, an interesting debut, but I think that this really shows some smarts and could, you know, this could put him in... in demand at a studio and i don't even know if that's what he wants to do but i could see a studio hiring him for a big sci-fi movie he he knows how to create worlds uh class action park loved it this is a documentary on hbo max about uh the the crazy amusement park in new jersey i thought it was terrific like one of the top 10 movies of the year i laughed i cried like it it takes a, a weird not a weird it takes a hard turn in the last half hour, it becomes a lot more serious and sad. And so I was laughing. I was crying. I loved it. Like, really, sign up for HBO Max just to watch Class of Action Park. You got the hiccups. Excuse me. I watched The Comey Rule. I hate to say it, folks, but The Comey Rule was not very good until Donald Trump appears. Um, Brandon Gleason's Trump was pretty good. And he doesn't play him like a cartoon character. There, there's, uh, you know, he, he's new to Washington there. He hasn't turned, I mean, listen, Trump's not always going to be a monster. Uh, he, he showed up, he was a monster before. Um, but, only, you know, only in the last few years has he really just totally gone off the fucking deep end, I think. Uh, and so, and so, you know, this is a, like at the outset of his presence, presidency, he's still sort of feeling his way around Washington. The the genius of this series, though, is that it does not introduce Trump until, like, almost well into night two. So you'll see maybe a glimpse of him in the very last shot of night one, but he's not in night one. Uh, Maybe see a silhouette. And then the first 15 minutes of night two, or 10 minutes, it's like it doesn't have him either. So he just – but he dominates that back half. And night two is definitely way stronger than night one. The problem with this show is that it's a little flat because it's it's restrained. That's what I saw in the reviews. it is restrained, but you know, J- Jeff. It's just it, it's not all that interesting. I, I didn't think until Trump comes aboard and, and you get into the Comey Trump relationship. Uh, you know who was good in this though? It was it wasn't so much Jeff, Jeff Daniels is always good, but you know he wasn't anything special. Uh, Jennifer Ellie, as his wife definitely. I've read in the reviews that she has elevated that uh, that she elevated that part from what was on the page, and I completely agree. She. You know She doesn't have a lot to do, but she was really good, uh, as was Brennan Gleeson. And then the last review for today is Bill and Ted 3. I watched Bill and Ted Face the Music last night. I had both my brothers and their significant others over. We all had a big family dinner, and then we watched Bill and Ted Face the Music. Got Dad to pay 20 bucks for it. Horrible. Are you kidding me? Who are the people who like this movie? An 80% on Rotten Tomatoes? 80%? What a mess. 26 minutes into the movie, we paused it. And my brothers were like, should we even continue watching this? This is – it was embarrassing. Like, Ed Solomon, very nice guy. Big fan of Ed Solomon. This script with Chris Madison, horrible. It took – this is the idea that you have at 25 years later? Like, it took 25 years to settle on this script? It was super cheap. It probably had the same budget as the original two movies – which is probably like 12 or $15 million. And in today's world, that just doesn't get you nearly as far as it did back then. The the, the uh, I mean, I'm not watching Bill and Ted for special effects and stuff like that, but the effects were so cheesy. Um, I'll tell you, I, I did not care for the daughters at all. I know people were like, uh, you know, the daughters are the best part of it. Horribly miscast. Wasn't a fan of either one of them. Thought they were actively bad. Okay. And I like Samara Weaving for the most part. Can't you just hire... Two girl, uh, two young women who have like comedy backgrounds. These two just were not funny at all. Alex Winter is not a movie star. Just go stick to directing friggin' HBO documentaries. Like, like loved you uh, back in the day as this character. They're way too old to be doing this. This movie should have been made twenty years ago. There's like nothing fun about it. The only stuff that I liked, I loved the the song at the end. I did like the song, although I don't know how that would change the world. Uh, I liked when they were, like, in makeup. So when they're in giant muscle suits or they're in old age makeup, then it was fun. When it was just Bill and Ted, the normal guys out of the makeup, I thought it was so stupid. And if I was Keanu Reeves, I mean, man, what a – like, Alex Winter should be sending him the the world's biggest fruit basket. Because the fact that Keanu Reeves did that in the midst of the run that he's having right now as John Wick – just is mind-blowing this movie is a huge detriment to his filmography and it totally soured me on the bill and ted characters like i gave a whole speech last night down there about how great excellent adventure is and bogus journey is this movie was a bogus journey and you have to face the music that it was horrible sorry no you will get nothing else from me on this one nope um real quickly mailbag questions we have about five minutes left in the show from Will Dredulis, could the Snyder Cut actually destroy Zack Snyder's career if it comes out and is worse than the Justice League we got? I feel like it's a possibility no one is considering. I actually think, no, you're, you're completely wrong, Will. There's no way it could be worse than the Justice League. If this recut is worse than the original Justice League, I don't even know how that's possible. Um, but, no, I don't think it's going to destroy Zack Snyder's career. Of course, we've got you know, landscapers now in the last few minutes of the show. Um. Yeah, just Zack Snyder is going to be just fine. Will also says, I saw on Letterboxd that Ethan Hawke joined Robert Egg- Eggers' next movie. The Northmen haven't seen it reported anywhere. Wasn't tr- sure how true it was. I have, I have no idea. That does seem like a project that he would go and do. Um, let's have to confirm news on that one. Uh, and I think that you may see some actors move in and out uh you know that, that project and that cast was announced a long time ago and obviously a lot of things have changed since then so we'll see Derek walker jr says i was just wondering if you'd heard any updates in regards to hbo max and roku strike a deal no i haven't although they should really get on that asap so that more people can watch class action park uh, which is performing very well for them and then also with uh, with them moving forward on Scream 5, would I be interested in remakes of I Know What You Did Last Summer and Urban Legend? Uh, so, you know, I talked about Urban Legend last week, that they have already started casting on that uh, with Catherine McNamara and Sydney Chandler, Kyle Chandler's daughter. Um, and then, yeah, I could see another a revamp of, of I Know What You Did Last Summer, but I think they'd have to completely change it. I don't want to see a guy, you know, dressed as a fisherman with a hook. I, I think you could totally have fun with that, that title, that premise. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't want to see like a legacy thing with Jennifer Love Hewitt, like just straight reboot it. Um, I'm not, I'm not opposed to that stuff though. Uh, that'll pretty much do it for uh, today's Snyder cut. A couple of plugs, check out my interview with Kyle Mooney. He talks about his turn in Spree, the Joe Keery movie, and also the upcoming season of Saturday Night Live, what that might look like. I've known Kyle since he, since before he was famous so we uh, had a really good chat, and thank him. I thank him for, for taking the time to do that because I don't think he did too many interviews tied to um, to Spree. I did a podcast last week uh, on The Professional. You can track that down. Um, I think it's a, a blockbuster mentality. did a podcast this week with the Cinefanatics, reacting to my uh, Schmodown singles tournament match against Robert Montano. And of course, watch me on the Schmodown. That match is now live. I don't know, uh, you know, for the for those who haven't seen it, it it's it's a fun one. And it was my first uh, virtual Zoom match, so that that was uh, an interesting element. Um, and then of course, I'm available on on Cameo. You can buy a Cameo. I make I make fun ones, guys, I, and I'm super cheap. And you can find me on Instagram. But yeah, still still staying away from Twitter. Dems the breaks. I, I would have loved to have posted a, a remembrance of Chadwick Bozeman on, on Twitter, but uh, it just felt wise to just, you know, steer clear there for now, still. Um, yes, that, that'll do it for the show. Thank you for watching. Thank you for following, for reading. Check out the blog, all the updated rankings, the internet or the blogspot.com. And rest in peace, Chadwick Bozeman. We're going to miss you. Thank you for everything that you gave us. See you next week, guys. Have a fun Labor Day weekend.
1: Stella Leo Chico Pit Boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, you already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. (laughs) Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Orangutans. They're beautiful, playful, and majestic. And disappearing. Every day as many as 20
0: orangutans vanish. They starve to death when their homes are destroyed or are killed when they stray into villages in search of food. International Animal Rescue is fighting for the survival of the critically endangered orangutan. But we can't do it without you. Please visit
1: internationalanimalrescue.org and help us save orangutans before it's too late. That's internationalanimalrescue.org.